and gentlemen to the eighth wonder of the world The flow of the century Oh, it's timeless Ho! Thanks for coming out tonight You could have been anywhere in the world But you're here with me I appreciate that Greetings everyone And welcome to Football Talk uh, Not much of a name, but uh Football season right around the corner, kicking away, kicking off in college football next week. Um, this is Larry Henry Jr. from Fox Sports The Gambler uh, in Philadelphia. And joining me uh, to dive into everything football, college, NFL, 2021 NFL draft, uh, my good friend Ryan Roberts. Uh, Ryan, first off, uh, everyone can find you uh, over at, on Twitter at Rise capital N and then capital D for draft, rise and draft. Um, Ryan is always working his tail off, I see, uh, online. Uh, Director of scouting over at NFL Draft Bible, uh, NFL Draft Analyst for the Dynasty Draft Room, and and also co-host over at NFL Draft Prospects Podcast. So first off, Ryan, good to to talk to you and everything. How's things going? Uh, I bet you're getting excited, uh, college football kicking off. Yeah, Larry. I, I, you know, first and foremost, man, I, I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, like you said, some college football starting off tonight. We're, we're starting to get back to somewhat of normalcy as far as football goes, even though it's a, it's still a little bit of an uncertain world. But I'm certainly, you know, thankful for some semblance of football. It really just doesn't feel like fall without football in the air. Yeah, you're right about that. It's uh, it's definitely going to be a, a new experience this year with with the pandemic uh, really forcing a lot of issues uh, in the world. But um, yeah, we got some football, like you said, kicking off uh, this weekend, and then obviously some bigger teams next weekend. Um, but first off, wanted to get your just overall your main thoughts on the upcoming season. Obviously, a couple conferences um, not kicking off in the fall. Uh, Big Ten. Um, is also with the Pac-12, if I'm correct. Uh, both, both not. Uh, Big Ten sounds like they're going to try to do something near Thanksgiving, but there's no. I don't think there's nothing official yet. Uh, so, what, first off, what are your main thoughts going into the season? So, I originally thought that the Power Five would be intact and able to push forward. Now, obviously, with the Pac-12 and Big Ten cancellations, or I should say, um, you know, at least they're they're delaying potentially until the spring. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. I felt like they were going to stay far intact because we we have seen a lot of lower level, you know, FCS and Division Two, II, Division Three shut things down, and you know some other conferences at the FBS level. Now, like you said, it, it does seem like the Big Ten is trying to work some stuff out because obviously the uh, there's been a big pushback from the programs and the players. So hopefully we get them at some point this fall. Uh, what I'm expecting is for what we have to be as high level with football as we possibly can. We're going to be working with less teams, obviously, but it still presents, and I'm coming from an NFL draft perspective, it's going to present a lot of guys an opportunity to play football, which is, is you know, first and foremost for their for their future-wise, right? Getting that film and, you know, from a, from a person that's just a spectator, we want to watch football. So I'm just grateful that there's some assemblance. I hope that the Big Ten can kind of figure it out because obviously that's high-level football as well. So – you know, just make the best of what we have. It's an imperfect world that we're living in right now. But as long as there's some football to be watched, uh, you can be assured that we are all going to be watching it this fall. 
So one one of the conferences that that we will see this season, uh, the ACC. Um, obviously, I know you'll be paying big attention to that with with Notre Dame coming into the fold. Uh, overall, what are your expectations for them this season? Um, obviously, over at Fox Sports, the Gambler, we always look at uh, sports betting and look at the numbers. Um, so if you fire up the DraftKings app right now and you look at Team Futures, uh, Clemson, heavy favorite to win the ACC, minus 455. Um, but then you have Notre Dame as the closest to them at plus 600. Um, overall, you know, what are your expectations for the Fighting Irish? And um, do you really, realistically, can they contend for that title? Is it really just Clem- Clemson's the lose? I mean, I, I think that anything is possible with, with how everything is, you know, happening, especially for Clemson already losing Justin Ross, their wide receiver for the season. They lost Xavier Thomas, their defensive end for the season. So is it possible? Like, I, I mean, yeah, Notre Dame, I think, can compete. And if you look at their their uh, schedule, Notre Dame should go into that Clemson game undefeated. Even if they lose to Clemson, they should still be a one-loss team, which is going to put themselves in pretty solid positioning. So, I mean, obviously, Clemson's going to be the front runner. what they've been able to do over the last few years with, with uh, Coach Sweeney and the amount of talent, Trevor Lawrence coming back. Uh, they have, have to be the front runner. There's no question about that. But I do think that Notre Dame has a good football team coming back. I feel like I'm a very optimistic Irish fan, despite the fact of them not being super relevant since the late 80s, uh, early 90s. But – for now, I'm going to say that Notre Dame is definitely at least the number two in the ACC falling in here. You know, teams like um, Miami are trying to get some semblance back to what they have been. Florida State has been a train wreck. Louisville's an improving team, but th- that second team, North Carolina's a, a uh, rising team with Mac Brown. But I think that there's a real uh, disparity between Clemson at the top and then the who is their perceived number two team. So with Notre Dame coming into the fold, I think they're going to compete for the conference championship. I'm going to, you know, be optimistic about it. That game that they have in, uh, I think, week seven against Clemson is going to be a big determiner of just how serious of a potential threat Notre Dame is to winning the conference championship, obviously. But for now, I'm going to say that they're the number two team and, and a team to definitely at least keep an eye on. One to switch uh, over the SEC. I mean, it's always the conference, I think, that everyone is always watching just because the amount of uh, talent there. I mean, the teams you have there and also a lot of the guys every year that get picked in the NFL draft. Um, so last year, we all know what LSU did. Uh, did had an amazing season. Um, Joe Burrow, all these guys, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, those guys are gone now. I mean, you still have, Jam- you know, you still have Jamar Chase, um, but – Going into this thing, I mean, over at DraftKings, Alabama sitting as the favorites to win the conference, minus 125. Uh, then you have Georgia at plus 200, LSU at third, plus 650. Um, it, uh, do you fully agree with that? Do you think LSU is going to have some some struggles trying to replace a lot of those key guys from last season, or do you still see them uh, giving Alabama and Georgia as well a run for this thing? I mean, I think similarly to how I think about Clemson, I think Alabama is the far and away favorite to win the SEC this year just because I think that the amount of talent they have coming back, I think of guys like Devonta Smith and, and Jalen Waddell and Najee Harris, and defensively, you know, they always have some guys coming back, Dylan Moses. There's so many good football players that are returning to Alabama. LSU is replacing – Joe Burrow, they're replacing Justin Jefferson. They're replacing almost their whole defense. Patrick Queen, Christian Fulton, Grant Delpit. There's so many guys that they're going to have to replace. And 
on top of that, I mean, LSU is always a good football team, but they really caught lightning in a bottle this past year. Everything clicked. And maybe the biggest loss, obviously, besides for Joe Burrow this offseason, has been losing uh, offensive coordinator. I think he was a, you know, a, a pass game coordinator was his actual title for LSU, Joe Brady, to the Carolina Panthers. I think that's a huge loss. You know, he really opened up the passing game. He really got LSU to an offensive structure that, you know, of success that no one maybe has ever seen in college football history. One of the best offenses ever without, without any shadow of a doubt. So with all those departures and the coach leaving, I think LSU is going to take a slight step back. Now they're still LSU. They still have some talent coming back. Um, Jacoby Stevens on defense and you, you mentioned Jamar Chase. So there's always talent on LSU. So they're still going to be in that nine, 10 win conversation. But I don't think that they're going to be able to reload well enough, losing so much in one offseason to unseat what I think Alabama has a better core coming back. And then you mentioned Georgia. Man, I'm, I'm a fan, you know, from a draft perspective of a lot of Georgia's defensive players. And they also have Jamie Newman coming in at quarterback from Wake Forest. Should be an upgrade at the quarterback position. I'm really excited to see what they do, but I would still pick Alabama as my favorite right now for sure. Yeah, it should be should be interesting for sure. Uh, SEC is always uh, always fun to watch. I feel Saturday afternoon, some of these big big matchups. Um, now, also flipping to the third conference, uh, the Big Five that we'll see uh, in action, the Big Twelve. Um, right now, Oklahoma uh, sitting at the favorites to win the conference, minus one twenty five. Um, definitely some talent to replace there. You lose Jalen Hurts at quarterback, but. Um, for sounds obviously that Spencer Rattler is going to be the the starter at quarterback um, as a as a freshman, I believe. Um, so you have Oklahoma, like I said, as the favorites. You have Texas behind them at plus one seventy five, and then you have Oklahoma State uh, as plus six fifty. Um, we we know obviously what they bring to the table. Mike Gundy's been there uh, a long time, and then you also have. Uh, a talented uh, running back as well uh, in Chuba Hubbard. Um, do, you, do you think Oklahoma uh, will find it pretty easy in that conference this year, despite having a freshman at QB, or do you think one of these other two teams can uh, can snatch that division? I think that this is really going to be a three-way battle at the top with the teams that you mentioned. I, I think that Oklahoma will obviously still be the favorites, but a redshirt freshman quarterback, Spencer Rattler, I'm a fan of. I think he's going to do incredible down the stretch of the season. We'll see what the early season, if there's any struggles to him. But Oklahoma's another team that lost a bunch. Talked about C.D. Lamb. Um, their offensive line is pretty much coming back intact, but they lost their two top running backs, Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks, from last season. Their defense did some good things last year, but even they lost You know, their starting cornerback in Parnell Motley, Kenneth Murray, first-round pick at linebacker. They lost – um, the big man up front as well on their defensive line. So there, there is a lot to replace for Oklahoma, as is true of what I said of LSU. They're going to have some ability to reload a little bit. But I think that Oklahoma State is really a team that I'm looking at right now. They have Chuba Hubbard, as you, as you mentioned, Tylen Wallace, a wide receiver. I'm a huge fan of their offensive tackle, Tevin Jenkins. I think he's one of the most underrated players in all of college football uh, from a draft perspective. And then they got second-year quarterback Spencer Sanders coming back, who's a dual-threat kid. Showed a lot of promise as a freshman. Also showed, you know, at a lot of times that he was a redshirt freshman playing his first time at the uh, collegiate level. So I, I think that they're, they are a team that is poised to make a little bit of a run there in the Big 12. 
And then obviously the other team that you mentioned, Texas. Uh, man, it's just tough to buy Texas sometimes. They're talented. I can name like a, a plethora of guys. I love the running back, Keontae Ingram. Brennan Eagles, a wide receiver. Defensively, they have some dudes that I really like a lot, uh, like Caden Stearns and B.J. Foster. And um, and uh, Joe uh, Osai is, is their outside linebacker. He rushes the quarterback a little bit, Joseph Osai. So they are very talented. I think it's a three-horse race. I don't think Oklahoma is the, the runaway favorite there. If I had to pick a team, I might actually pick Oklahoma State this year just because I, I like a ton of what they have offensively. I think they're going to put up a ton of points. Defensively, they have Kobe Har- Harvell Peel at safety, who's a good football player, Trey Sterling at safety as well. So hope if they have enough defensively, I think their offensive firepower might be enough to overtake Oklahoma this year. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot, right? This is a question uh, I was thinking up uh, for sure before the show. Um, now, if you look at those three favorites uh, for these conferences each, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Alabama, w- which one would you be most worried, would you say? Would you say Oklahoma just because the fact, like you said, the like with Oklahoma State, or do you think Georgia maybe gives Alabama a good run for that? Uh, I, I think that, you know, as far as like conference championship wise, I, I think I would say Oklahoma just because of what I kind of just spoke about. I think it's a three horse race. Clemson, like if they have a step back, could Notre Dame potentially overtake them? We'll see. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's a that's kind of like a two team race. I think Alabama is is a little above Georgia. I, I think that they're they're going to be the clear and uh, clearing away favorite. I think Georgia would be that one dark horse team maybe that could, could potentially give them a run for the money. But I think it's just the uncertainty with Oklahoma replacing some players. And then also, like I said, they're competing with two other teams at the top, which I think from a talent level perspective, they're pretty even with right now. So obviously a lot of you know decisions probably still have to be made with, with college football. I mean, we don't know technically what could happen as the season goes on. Um, I mean, this is an early kind of take here. I mean, but do you think that the schedule will, will, will be able to get – go through the whole way because we've seen in some other sports uh, in the U.S. that teams have had to either kind of look for a bubble or something like that. Obviously, it's it's too late, I feel, for that. But do you think that if things do go wrong, kind of a sense that, that we, we could be uh, in jeopardy of maybe losing some more college football or just kind of just, you know, let's take our time and see what happens. And if so, then, I mean, if you lose one player, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. But, I mean, uh, at the same time, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the tough thing that that college football has going against it is like for like professional teams like baseball, even though baseball hasn't done a great job, basketball, NFL, you can quarantine your team to a degree. You know, we talked about the basketball right with the bubble system, and I know a lot of NFL teams are renting out hotels and and just you know putting everything out and uh, making sure that you know nothing is nothing is getting in. Um, so I feel like there's ways that you can quarantine the, the professional leagues to a degree. Colleges are tough, right? Because like if they're open and there are uh, there are students going to class every day, you're not talking just about you know a 85 man roster for a college football team. You're talking about them being um, being exposed to thousands of students potentially. So I feel like if there is um, if there's a high amount of that of that um, of of that uh, exposure, sorry, exposure to uh, other students, that it could make things a little iffy right now. I, I feel like there's not really a way to quarantine college athletes now. If they're 
if they're in a school system where they have decided to do go fully online and then they're just you know being exposed to the players on the team, then that's a completely different story. But I just think that the the structure of being a collegiate athlete is is the is the tough part of this situation right now and somewhat of what might make it cloudy on whether we get a full season potentially now. All right. Well, we will, we will see. Uh, obviously we, everyone knows where to find you on Twitter. You'll be, you'll be breaking down every weekend. I, I can already bet money on that. Uh, so far looking at the schedule, I guess the biggest game coming in the next, uh, next week, I would say is uh, Labor Day Monday next week is, is BYU at, at Navy, which is eight o'clock ESPN. That's the biggest game I, I feel that I've seen so far on the schedule before we get into those big conferences. Uh, now we're going to flip pages uh, over to the NFL. Um, so we look at the NFL season last year. Uh, obviously, a, a great Super Bowl we had uh, between Kansas City and San Francisco. Kansas City coming out on top. Um, and by new, I'm already DraftKings Sportsbook having uh, the Chiefs as, as the uh, early favorite to, to repeat, uh, plus 600. But you have the Ravens right behind them at plus 650. And then you have San Francisco, uh, last year's NFC conference winners at plus 900 um so but my thing is who who is that your best option would you say um that you think could make a run at things in the nfl outside of those three teams i think the team that we always have to you know at least consider to a degree is the new orleans saints you know with drew Brees coming back for his final year sean payton as the coach alvin Kamara, michael thomas if you asked me you know just straight up who is the most talented roster in the nfl with the least amount of holes, I'd probably tell you the New Orleans Saints. I mean, Cameron Jordan on defense, Mar- uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Like the, t- the team is loaded top to bottom. Marcus Williams at safety. That offensive line is very good. There is not many holes in that roster. So, I, I mean, and especially because, like, the, the team's going to have that notion, like, hey, let's, let's, take, let's put Drew out into retirement in that you know storybook fashion, kind of like we think of John Elway and and all that stuff. So I think that the New Orleans Saints are definitely a team that is always in that conversation. And then they have that you know that extra um, added uh, added a uh, little oomph to them to uh, to put, potentially put their Hall of Fame quarterback and probably the greatest player in their franchise's history out on a winning way. So New Orleans Saints would definitely be my pick, top to bottom, probably the most talented roster in the NFL. Now, looking at some teams, uh, one team I want to touch on is the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, obviously, you know, being a, you're being a fan and all of the team for years. Um, overall, uh, this division is in the past has always been um, the Rams have always kind of found their way to be in the mix. Um, last season, finishing at nine and seven. Um, and finishing third in that division behind San Francisco, who were 13 and three, and Seattle, uh, 11 and five. So if you look at DraftKings right now, you can look at the divi- who who they predict the division winners will be. Uh, San Francisco minus 106 is the favorite. Seattle plus 220, Rams plus 550, and then you have the Cardinals uh, at plus 700. Um, Rye, overall with this team, I mean, we've seen some changes this this offseason. Todd Gurley no longer part of the team, but an exciting uh, running back coming in in Cam Akers uh, in the draft from Florida State. Um, overall, uh, what are your thoughts on the Rams this season? Do you see them uh, fighting in that division, but do you also see them fighting in for maybe a wild card as well? I think that the NFC West is the most um, – it's going to be the most competitive division going into the 2020 season. Obviously, 
until some team knocks off San Francisco, you know, the reigning um, uh, Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl, lose, I don't want to say loser, the, uh, the, the team that unfortunately did not win the Super Bowl. Uh, they have to be the favorite, but I'll say Seattle's always a threat. They get Jamal Adams in. They have Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll. There is that, you know, that semblance of consistency with the Seattle Seahawks. They're always going to be in that 10-plus win conversation. San Francisco is a talented roster, obviously. But the Rams went 9-7 and seven last year, and when I say they had everything going against them, man, it, they really did. I mean, Jared Goff had his struggles. The offensive line was abysmal in so many different combinations due to injuries. Todd Gurley was not his himself last year. They had John Johnson, their best, potentially second-best defensive player on the team, uh, get hurt and miss a majority of the season. There were so many injuries top to bottom on this team that nine and seven still being able to get to was a pretty impressive feat, to be honest. At some points, I was like, dude, they're about to just nosedive and they're going to have a sub-500 record. If everything, and obviously, you know, injuries happened, but for a couple of years there in a row when McVay first took over, the Rams did not experience too much injury and too much turnover to their starting lineup. This past year was the, the complete opposite of that. So much injury that it was it was tough to get offensive consistency. It was tough to get defensive consistency. At the end of the day, if they are able to get away from that injury bug and they're able to capitalize a little bit, I think the Rams are a 10 plus win team and they're in that conversation for the for the uh for the conference. Um for their division, I mean. So I think all three of those teams are potential 10-plus win teams. The one thing that I think Seattle and the Rams have going for them is usually the the uh, trajectory of a Super Bowl loser the next season is pretty down. So do I expect San Francisco to take a huge nosedive? I wouldn't say that because I think they still have a very talented roster. But I think that the Rams are definitely in the conversation for division champs um, at worst. And uh, I think a wild card is definitely in the conversation. Everybody is is hopping hard off of the uh, bandwagon for the Rams this offseason. You know, everyone is, just wants to say some negative things about McVay and Goff and all these guys. Last year, man, uh, not too many people would have been successful. Not too many coaches would have had a plus 500 record with the amount of injuries they had. Jared Goff had his struggles, obviously, with the amount of inconsistencies. I mean, we even talk about guys like Cooper Cup was banged up. Brandon Cooks was banged up for a while. So there was just so much going against them. I think the Rams are a real contender for the division. I think it's going to be the most highly um, debated and highly competitive division going into 2020. All right. We will, we will see. Um, now also looking the NFC, uh, staying a little locally, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles um, overall winning that division last year uh, on the, basically on the last day, last two weeks of the season, um, basically with, uh, you know, a bunch of backups at wide receiver um, this year, they come in sitting as plus 150 to win the division Dallas Cowboys at favorites at minus 121 um, really good offseason uh, I feel for Dallas getting a lot of good talented guys it, it kind of stinks for them seeing Gerald McCoy uh, would have been a nice acquisition and unfortunately he suffers a season-ending injury in in camp but I mean they get CD Lamb in the draft um, my dad's a Dallas fan so he's all uh, hyped up with a lot of these guys doesn't know who half of them are but he's hyped up but um and then but you look at the eagles i mean carson wentz coming back year number five now uh, as the cute quarterback in philadelphia 
Um, obviously, you get J- Jalen Rager in the draft. A lot of fans maybe a little disappointed they don't get someone else in that situation in the first round. Um, but overall, I mean, they did make some good acquisitions defensively. I mean, they get Darius Slay. Um, they also get a couple defensive linemen as well. Uh, overall, do you, you see Dallas uh, edging them to the division this year, or do you think uh, the Eagles could could really go and go back to back in that division? I mean, so the Dallas Cowboys have had one of the more talented rosters in the NFL for a few years now. Their biggest their biggest negative was their coaching staff, and obviously they bring in Mike McCarthy, who, you know, some people aren't big McCarthy fans, but at worst you can say that Mike McCarthy is a much better coach than Jason Garrett. So you're getting better coaching. You still have Kellen Moore in the building as the offensive coordinator for some stability on that side of the ball. I think that Dallas has to be the front runner in the division. They have so much talent. When that offensive line is is healthy and playing together, they're one of the best, you know, top five units in in all of in, in all of college, uh, all of college, all of professional football. They have those wide receivers you talked about, CD Lamb a little bit, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Dak Prescott had a very nice year last year. Ezekiel Elliott, of course, coming back. That defense, I think, is going to be slightly improved. I don't know if they're a great unit, but you still have. Demarcus Lawrence and and, um, and some good pieces on that defense. Hopefully, Leighton Vanderesh is able to go after getting injured this past year. Jalen Smith coming back, so I think the defense is going to be okay. I think the offense could potentially be special. I think Dallas is definitely the front runner. The Eagles, I was a little more positive on their trajectory uh, until a couple weeks ago. You know, with uh, with Andre Diller now going down. Uh, who's going to play left tackle? Is Jason Peters playing left tackle? Obviously, Brandon Brooks out for a little bit now is, is going to be a little bit of a tough a tough thing to under, uh, to figure out. So I, I think if the offensive line is able to, you know, really, you know, able to stay healthy and and, and uh, contribute to the level that they can, and we've seen them in the past with Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, I think their offense is going to be very improved. What worries me a lot is every a lot of positions on this team you look at the depth, and they are razor thin. You're starting Sidney Jones at corner right now, which I don't love. Another offensive lineman goes down. You might be in a little bit of trouble. You're you're really counting on a lot of young wide receivers to take that step up. Miles Sanders goes down. Like, your starting running back is Boston Scott. Like, it's not great stuff, you know. And Carson Wentz has had this injury history in the past. Uh, he's an injury away from a rookie quarterback being being the face of the franchise, at least for the season, you know, and, and the safety position, Jalen Mills moving over there. I feel like there's so many question marks right on the right there on the Eagles. I still think they'll be a nine to ten win team if they're able to, you know, not get injured and get nicked up. But I think that definitely Dallas is the clear favorite for me with better coaching right now. So they would be my pick. Uh, the Eagles always seem to play Dallas, you know, kind of back and forth a little bit, uh, obviously winning their their matchup uh, in the latter stages of the season to, to clinch a playoff berth. So we'll see what happens, but I would definitely pick Dallas right now for sure. Now, obviously, a lot of new players coming into the league uh, with the draft back in the spring. Um, when we look at you look at a lot of these guys coming in. Obviously, you have the likes of Joe Burrow um, coming in over at Cincinnati. Um, you have Justin Herbert going over to the LA Chargers. Um, a lot of good, talented wide receivers. One of the best classes um, coming in that we we've seen in a while. And and this class coming in this next year could be uh, pretty special as well. But um, 
if you were to pick one rookie, uh, maybe from the first round, uh, who's in the best situation to succeed? Obviously, Joe Burrow is a, a tricky situation because yes, he's talented. He r- racked up all the stats at LSU. Now he goes to the Cincinnati Bengals, who um, aren't a favorite, obviously, to win that division with the likes of Baltimore and and Pittsburgh. But um, who's one guy that you would say, Rye, that uh, in the best situation to succeed for twenty twenty? I really think it's Chase Young. You know, he was my number one overall player. He was second overall pick to the Washington football team, uh, newly named. It's still so weird to say. But, you know, he has guys like Jonathan Allen, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis. That defensive line is absolutely stacked. So I think that Chase Young is going to be afforded a lot of one-on-one opportunities, which I think is going to lead to a pretty nice sack number as a rookie. Usually a guy like Chase Young comes in, there's going to be a little added attention to him. But if you're going to throw, you know, an extra tight end to chip, or you're going to, uh, uh, you know, roll the coverage towards him, or you're going to double team him, whatever the the, uh, option might be, then you're leaving a guy again, like a Kerrigan one-on-one, a Montez Sweat one-on-one, a Jonathan Allen one-on-one. A lot of really nice pass rushers on that team. That I think that Chase Young is is going to get um, you know less attention than he normally would on another team. So a lot of one-on-one opportunities. I think Chase Young could be a 10-plus sack guy as a rookie, and I think he's really going to take advantage of those one-on-one opportunities. Now, staying with the draft, um, 2021, obviously it's a while away, but it'll be here before we know it. Um, definitely some players um, who obviously their seasons might, they might not be playing the season. Um, that's just the, the, the facts of it with the pandemic, a couple conference, big conferences um, still weighing their decisions on if they're playing. Um, so if, so do you feel there's uh, going to be some guys out there in those conferences that, that could see their stock uh, maybe fall if they're for sure, if there's no, there's no college football for them this season. And if so, you know, if you could just pick a guy or two that you would a big, maybe first round prospect or something like that. Yeah, I think, I think there's a few guys uh, I'm, I'm going to stick in the big 10 for my couple picks here because um you know, whether that, that Thanksgiving start happens or not, I think a couple guys that are going to be uh, severely hurt by this is uh, Penn State. Um, there's a, two guys specifically, one on offense and one on defense, that are being projected to being big breakout stars this year in the NFL draft world. Unfortunately, if they don't have the opportunity, then you're, you're working with limited tape and you might, they might not even enter 2021 as under, uh, the 2021 NFL draft as underclassmen. So first guy's Journey Brown who's the running back, 10, 400-meter guy at 215 pounds in high school. He's He really burst on the scene the last few weeks of, of, the, of the season last year. He's a really talented running back, could, could have been a really big player in this year's class if he was able to get you know a larger sample size of opportunities. And then on the defensive side, they have a defensive end that um, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, who's one of my favorite draft guys, he actually had him as, as his number 12 or number 13 player on the board. And that's Jason Oway, who's going to be a redshirt sophomore this year, who is six foot five, 257 pounds. And Lair, I, I'm not lying when I say this. Reportedly, he runs the 40-yard dash in 4.33 seconds at 257 pounds, which is the craziest number I've ever heard in my entire life. He was on um, Bruce Feldman's freak list from The Athletic as well. Dane already has him top 15, even though he was only a rotational player last year. It was just kind of a big projection. So is Oway going to be in this year's draft? I mean, I guess potentially if, if he wants to go to the combine and, and blaze a trail like he's kind of um, 
like he's kind of predicted to do. But, you know, it's going to be hard for those guys with limited tape and limited opportunity. But I think Journey Brown and Jason Owe are guys that unfortunately are being, uh, you know, a little bit, um, I don't want to say undervalued, but they're going to have their lack of opportunity really hurt their potential for being in the 2021 cycle. Now, looking at the on the other side of that, um, with some of these conferences that will be playing and have schedules set up, I mean, when you look at prospect lists everywhere, everyone's going to be different. But when you look at a lot of these top guys that you see in every list who's, who will be playing this year, obviously Trevor Lawrence uh, being one, Jamar Chase being another. Um, you know, you have some other guys, Gregory Rousseau uh, from Miami. Um, who are some guys that you think have a good – uh, opportunity to improve their stock if they're able to get on the field for a full season and and really make the most of that with some of these other conferences, um, guys that could be losing uh, reps as well. I think the quarterback class is one that I'm going to be really watching heavily. Uh, the assumed top three right now, of course, is Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, Justin Fields from Ohio State, and then Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Those are you know pretty much the the consensus three quarterbacks in the draft community. The question is, who's number four, who's number five? Uh, we have a few guys that are going to be playing, uh, like Brock Purdy from uh, Iowa State, who I'm a big fan of. But there's a couple SEC guys specifically that I think could potentially be those big risers. Kyle Trask from Florida and Jamie Newman, the transfer from Wake Forest at Georgia. Now, both guys are talented. Both guys um, will obviously, Jamie Newman's coming into a completely new system for his final year of eligibility. And then we have Kyle Trask, who has been a backup for most of his career. And then he finally got his opportunity this past year after Felipe Franks went down and was able to really take advantage of that. And uh, both guys are big physical athletes, really strong arms. So one of them, I think, is really going to catapult themselves, maybe both of them. So I'm excited to see who that next quarterback is off the board. And I think those guys specifically in the SEC could be the players that we're looking at and the guys that potentially make that big rise. And then I wanted to end with you with a uh, last draft question here is if you were to give us one sleeper pick that we could see jump into the first round, maybe a guy that's in, you know projected as a second or third round guy that could, that we could see next spring coming into the fold, jumping in, uh, you know, preferably probably playing this season and, and getting those reps obviously. But if, you, if there's one guy you had to kind of pick, who would that be? I think one guy offensively and one guy defensively, a couple guys that I'm super, super high on compared to probably the consensus here was uh, offensively. I really liked uh, Tevin Jenkins. I mentioned him a little bit for Oklahoma State. I think his tape is phenomenal from last year playing right tackle, 6'5 plus, 320 pounds. I think he's really athletic. I think he's really powerful, takes some nice angles to the second level. I think he could potentially be a huge rise in the offensive tackle class. And obviously with the Big 12 playing, he's going to have an opportunity to get another year of tape out there for evaluators. And my last guy is a guy that I've been banging the table for all offseason, SEC guy at the University of South Carolina, J.C. Horn, who is a cornerback, 6'1", 205 pounds, uh, has played inside of the nickel, has played outside this past year, has played a ton of football for South Carolina. He's so physical at the line of scrimmage. He tackles really well. I think he's a really nice athlete, a good enough long speed. I think he checks so many boxes. And then also he is uh, Joe Horn, former Pro Bowl wide receiver from North, uh, New Orleans Saints. He's, he's his son as well. So J.C.'s been around the game for a long time. His dad was a very good football player. So I know he knows what to expect when he goes to the next level. 
And I'm really excited for him to have that opportunity of playing another year in the SEC. I, I think that he's an incredibly talented cornerback. And I think that when it is all said and done, if he has a season, you know, and forces some turnovers and tests relatively well, I think he's a first round talent. And I think Tevin Jenkins also in the same vein, if he's able to do those nice things testing wise and really show what type of athlete he is in the big 12. I think that he is another guy also that has a chance to hear their name call in the first round of the 2021 draft. All right. We will see folks. You heard it first. Uh, Make sure you, you lock these guys in on your, on your mock drafts uh, for the future. Um, But overall, right. Great job. Uh, Obviously I know anything NFL, college football, even high school uh, football, I can go to you for, uh, you know, always, always providing the, the top notch information. But uh, again, everyone, uh, you can you can find Ryan over at, on Twitter at Rise and Draft, uh, doing a great job uh, covering everything uh, in the football world. But Ryan, th- thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, and like I said, hopefully make this more uh, regular uh, with the season kicking off. Would You know, we'd love to do it. And uh, obviously, People would love to hear your uh, opinions on all these guys going in the season. But, Rye, thanks so much uh, for joining me today, and uh, we'll catch up with you. Absolutely, Larry. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Th- thanks so much for tuning in. Again, this is Larry Henry Jr., Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler. Uh, you can hear us uh, on iHeartRadio uh, with the season coming up. So, uh, And thanks so much for listening. And uh, you can find me, LHenry019, on Twitter.